0: I take a ton of pride in picking this song for today. Like I woke up this morning knew immediately what I was going to do. You knew already. I knew.
1: I feel I mean, like there should be somebody sign language in the song, the song off to the side. No.
0: Mm. No, no, no. I think uh, I'm going to hire a three-piece little string trio to go to the... Uh, Kansas burbs
1: <laughs> to play outside their stadium oh, man. <laughs> oh,
0: I did a lot I did a lot of research actually I didn't do a lot I did zero research on uh, bands from Kansas and guess who came up Kansas Kansas, Kansas. yeah Makes uh, sense. and besides this song and Carry On, Wayward Son, you know what else they did? No. That uh, jack shit. Paul Rudd. <laughs> Paul Rudd probably has more singles than Kansas does, but dust in the wind. You know what? We're all just dust in the wind, as
1: are Sporting KC's. Sporting Kansas. And you know what I got a kick out of? On our show... That dude we interviewed from Kansas was talking Chad. about we, that Houston game's winnable, which I think it was a winnable game. I watched it, um, but he's like, Houston doesn't show up.
2: They showed
0: up Houston yesterday. Houston
1: showed up yesterday. That stadium was rocking.
0: I gotta be honest. I mean, I I thought because I didn't watch it. I didn't actually watch the game. I just I I had uh, Yahoo Sports up, just kind of watching the box score, and I just grinned like I don't even need to watch this like. I'm, I'm resigned to the fact that whenever San Diego joins the league, we will be moved to the east. I want Chicago as a long-term rival. I don't give a shit about Kansas soccer. I'm over it.
1: I want Nashville so I can go there once a year. That's right. I'm still fighting for Nashville.
0: But we'll, we'll still be able to go to
2: Nashville, but they can be like our friendly foes. Yeah. Chicago Yeah, and be. most rivals, realistically. I mean, think the Cardinals and the Cubs. It's almost frenemy. No. No. If you look at the all-time record, it's actually significantly closer than you think it would be. That's what I'm saying. It's a frenemy type. I've been to Wrigley in a Cardinals jersey, and I didn't fear for my life.
1: Oh, my God. I've been to Wrigley in a Cardinals jersey that was white, and I left covered in mustard and ketchup. Maybe it's my mouth.
2: That was Kelly. I was going to say, I think there's other elements to that story that you're leaving.
1: No, at. you're wrong. Rivalries need to. You need. To, do you think the Duke Blue Devils like the North Carolina Tar Heels? No. Do you think Ohio State is real excited about Michigan whooping their ass nope. this weekend?
2: Nope. That's why there's only a few real rivalries out there. And the Cardinals Cubs is close. But it's not. There's nothing. I don't think there's an, an MLS rivalry that comes close to the, the the types of teams you just mentioned.
1: Yes, LAFC, El Trafico and Galaxy. Okay. They hate each other. Yeah. But it's still
0: yeah, I I I won't argue. It's a little pomp though. Realistically, I mean, it's like they completely fabricated that out of the gate.
1: Maybe.
2: That's what I'm saying. It's just it's all kind of mm, fabricated for Clicks and you know,
1: Mister Noonan in the Eastern Conference Finals, he said rivalries. He he's real touchy around that word. He basically said that you can't manufacture them. You need games. You need hatred.
0: You Need history. You well, need he's history. A, he's about to find out because you see who they're matched up against. Hell's real. <laughs> like, I'm actually really excited for that game.
1: I am too. I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch that game, and I'm rooting for Pat. Yeah. Uh,
0: the Soccer Dad Pod. We're back. Uh, A little bit of a turkey day break, uh, which, speaking of, how was it? I mean, you you predicted it was going to be a solid C-minus out of the gate. How was your— You
1: know, my meal was average. Um, They tried hard, and it was good. I mean, it was edible, um, which is better than years past. Turkey day for me is just not that much fun. I do like the family aspect, but it's just everybody comes in and then leaves right away because it's done so late. Like, we don't eat till 4.30.
0: Oh my god! That's just too late. I was
2: in Comoville by four thirty. Well, we ate late as well because my brother and his family came over, and my nephew plays quarterback for the Webster Groves. The high school, and they have their turkey bowl game. Yeah, but didn't they lose by like a lot, seven hundred points? But hey, you know my my nephew came in late in the fourth quarter as a quarterback. And threw for 59 yards and had uh, a touchdown drive. There you go. So, I mean, for him, it was great. For the rest of the team, that was down 44-6 to six at halftime. Not so great. Yeah. So they, they didn't get there until 4.30 or so. So we ate around 5.
1: I love they do that game. I, I love it that they do that game.
2: Now, that's a rivalry. That's a rivalry. Yeah. They hate each other. Absolutely. Borgia Washington? Hate.
0: Well, Eight. you know the the thing is like in so many of the uh, high school rivalries, you know, in our backyard here, it's it's very cyclical. Um, it's more school based because you know, like uh, obviously, this is a great example. Kirkwood football is dominant over Webster football, but flip the script on the basketball side of things, you know, and, and it's not same thing. It's not close,
2: and no, and soccer, soccer, is same kind thing. of back and forth a little bit but it's football's been not a thing for Webster for well a speaking while.
0: speaking of your nephew uh, actually uh, th- there's a little bit of a tie to the
2: our recording location today uh, there is yeah
0: quick mention toss we it are on.
2: back at the Philip Schneider house here in historic Soulard. and and on Instagram it is the P- the underscore PS underscore house it's pretty dope and the listing just went live last week so it is available and um, I highly encourage you to check it out for, like I said, corporate outings or wedding parties, things like that. This is not a space to hang in and have parties. <laughs> this, is a, this is a space to impress.
1: That's that's what I think is going to happen. I'm going to be able to rent this one time and maybe one time only, if yeah, they then, allow me then to.
2: And going to shut them down.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so thank you for opening your house yeah, to thank us. Thank you, Ty
2: and Katie, and uh, check out their listings.
0: Hey, uh, and I want to go ahead and bring up also another uh, uh, friend of the show, partner of the show, Ambush Heather season opener. Um, they unfortunately came out on the wrong side of the score line. But all, if, if you believe social media and photos and videos at, at all, um, they had a great turnout. Great turnout. Um, y- y- you know, and, and, the, and the buzz is kind of real. I, yeah, I I think I personally noticed because I've I've followed them for a number of years. I don't know if it's a city SC effect, but the engagement with ambush from you know fans or commentators on socials, it seems to be elevated. Well,
2: Alexi Lalas and Taylor Twelman both promoted the op- season opener M A S L for the M A S L. Yeah. I've never seen that before.
1: Wow! My 15 year old went. Um, Did he go? Just, yeah, my 15 year old went to the game. Drew. Here was his take because I asked him. Yeah. He said it was packed. He said it was a lot of fun. It was action packed. There was no breaks in entertainment. He said, and it's a sample size of the season. He said Robbie Christos is the best player on our team. Wow. He said, by far. He said, Paulo was a maniac. And Paolo was like <laughs> saving balls off the face, the chest. He says, if you don't like watching Paulo play, maybe because he likes Paulo, I don't know. And he said that, um, and Jeff, I hope you're listening, he said that they need to shoot more. <laughs> he said, he's like, they, they try to <laughs> dribble the ball over the line, he said. He said there was times that they could have shot. They just do not shoot enough.
0: Well, there you go. We're going to send this to uh, Shelly and Jeff, see what they they, we might have officially lost our partnership.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, but that's it's 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 the people. It's yeah. he spoke and it's a soccer kid and, and I do, he said it from the heart. So I think it was fair feedback. Well and
2: apparently it was good defense too because yeah. it went into overtime and the final score is still only two to one.
0: Yeah, that's the that was what amazed me. Like typically you're looking at four, five, six goals yeah. on par. Um really low scoring, but you know, it moves so fast. It's got to be fun. Well, yeah, and we, we, we
2: got to go out. We got to go do a live. I, I, there. I'm I looking I think that'd be a blast. It. Yeah, the family arena is a nice spot. A lot of stuff right there in St. Charles as well. So,
0: uh, Chris and Bill, you all know them. You all love them. And whenever you're ready and for Pete. your next house. And Pete. Sorry, Pete. he the, the Plead the fifth, <laughs> Pete. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Pinnacle loans.com. These guys, uh, tremendous fans of the show. Guests of the show now. Two Two of the three. Um, had a lot of fun with them when they came on. We were down at Maggie's the other day. Um, it's just, you know, the cool thing about this show for me is when we do bring on, no offense guys, just normal Joes, <laughs> you know, and it, it, it's it's fun just to live the experiences. We all love the game. Uh, so it's cool because it gives everybody a, a different perspective and none, none, none of our guests are intrinsically right all the time. They're all kind of right in you know uh, as a bundle,
2: so that was fun yeah they they brought some interesting perspectives to the high school discussion, the refs um yeah, yeah it was good, which
0: brings us to the beloved
2: pinnacle points of the day you i'm i'm ready i I did watch Letter rip part of that Houston Kansas City game last night, and does it have anything to do with handball yes. I mean, how many times do we have to watch a goal not go in and no call?
1: Did you read Mr. Gansner's response on my Twitter? No. Dude, he explained it perfect. It's not a handball. How? I'll read your response. Go ahead and make your point. I I want to hear what you have to say.
2: There's been so many situations this year, in MLS specifically. I'm not talking about Premier League or International where in the box... You mean like in the first round playoff game between us and Kansas? Kansas? Or in in the second game. uh, Or yeah, it was the first game. Yeah. We get called for a handball in the box and our guy gets sent off. Yeah. And their guy in the game prior to that, no call,
1: not sent off. Do you know in our away game, if they call the handball against Kansas City... Kansas City's not even in the playoff. That's what I'm saying. And so here's the way I said, um, I said, uh, Mr. Gansner, was it a handball by Houston in the Western Conference semifinal? Uh, why have VAR not look at it? His response, which makes sense, VAR looks at everything. The referee was not asked to go look at it because it was not a clear and obvious error. The first angle shown appears to me the ball could have deflected from the defender's torso if it did, it's not a handball. That's not clear from the replays. I agree with him. I don't. So, so VAR well, did look at it. Is what he's saying. So, like, I was pissed off that. How come it doesn't go upstairs? And it was upstairs, and they just didn't have the ref come look at it. Well, to, let's,
0: let's just get to the crux of it. Who benefited from the call? Houston. 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 Okay, so next topic.
2: <laughs> point
0: to the day. Jared, what you got? Go ahead. Uh, you want me to go? Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to circle back. Uh, my pinnacle point of the day is just the, um, uh, the, the need for everybody, bury your hatches. As, as many of you know, um, you know, I've talked about this on the show and over the weekend we had a, uh, memorial slash rock show slash therapy session for my brother over in Granite City. And there was, I don't three, 350 plus Probably maybe more than that. At
2: least, I mean, the the entire venue was packed, and I don't mean seating room. I mean it was, standing room only. It was,
0: it was an SRO room,
2: and it bled out into the lobby area, up into the hallway. I mean, it was it was a very well attended event. For well,
0: sure. so here it, my pinnacle point is this: after doing what we did, and we presented all of his music through his peers, um, I I had a lot of messages kind of reach out to me after the fact thinking for the process. And it was one of those things that it just triggered some individuals, you know, and I, I'm not going to name names or give specifics, but basically they were like, I'm going to be better. I'm picking up the phone today to do X with somebody that I haven't in a long time. So it was just really good. Um, I feel better after it. So uh, what I would ask you listeners is um, Dana, Michael Anderson, go on Spotify, check it out. Uh, the music's phenomenal. Um, would mean a lot to me. Right after you click follow our show, go ahead and click follow his page, <laughs> and we'll. Uh, it, it, it's it's therapeutic, and I just want to thank everybody, especially the two of you and your and your wives, for coming. It meant a lot. That's my pinnacle point. You're welcome.
1: Um, it was a lot of fun, and I tell you what, um, you spoke quite a bit in the event. Uh, it was appropriate. Um, you sounded intelligent. Um, it was from the heart and, uh, I didn't know Dana very good and, um, wish I would have, and it was emotional hearing you speak the times that you did and, um, kudos to you for having that event. Um, you know, what do they say in Lonesome Dove? The only thing you can do from death is ride off from it. And, uh, you guys are doing that and, um, what a great event. My pinnacle point three of the day is uh, if you folks that are fans of this show, you'll be fans of this. The NCAA Men's Soccer Tournament is going on right now, and there was implications on the line yesterday where now the Elite Eight is formed. And there's some hot-button topics going on in social media in our game, and I'm going to bring a couple games up. Um, Marshall, number one overall seed, plays Stanford Marshall is completely international, so there's a lot of scuttlebug on oh, all these internationals. Don't be on the field. Why? Why is there 22 year old kids on the field? It's not fair. Stanford boat races Marshall in Marshall tune of three nothing. Stanford goes on to the elite eight. Kudos to Stanford. Um, Notre Dame they play Western Michigan, who was kind of the, the 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 stud of Missouri Valley. The you know my Missouri State Bear. Uh, 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 fandom um, Notre Dame beats gets a red card in the first half Notre Dame wins in penalty kicks after two full overtimes and a, it snowed the whole game there was snow covering the field pretty entertaining game to watch and then here's where I'll finish it Indiana goes on the road beats Virginia <laughs> the the little engine that could. So Indiana and their if you watch that game, the stats that the commentators are bringing out with the amount of appearances, the amount of appearances in the NCAA tournament consecutively, the elite 8s, the yada yada yada. I mean, it is like I mean, this is a dynasty in the making or is a dynasty. So just just a couple things here. Both starting center backs Straight from our backyard, Scott Gallagher, St. Louis, Jansen Miller, and the Maher kid, and they balled. They were excellent. Jansen Miller saved two goals. A friend of mine texted me, he goes, He should have just played goalie this game. Yeah, I see uh, that. But they, they, they played well. So, uh, congratulations to some of those score lines. We'll move on. I don't need to give you every game. But um, if you got time, watch these games. They're highly entertaining. How many are left? Are we at the eight? Elite Eight? So right. there's four, six, seven. There's seven games left. It's fun. Go yep. watch it. If you got a kid that's interested in playing ball, uh, boy or girl
0: or a, or other, <laughs> check out these college games. Um, you got to do your homework. Uh, gentlemen, we are going to take a quick break, and we're going to roll on with a keeper du jour. Keeper of the day, right? Yep. Um, Keepers are
1: weird. They're weird. I can't
0: wait to ask him about being weird. They're just weird. He was referred to us by another weird keeper.
1: Weird. That guy's, that, that guy's weird, He's too. He's really weird.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's a good dude, though. <laughs> we appreciate it. Hey, we're going to roll out here uh, a little Dana Michael Anderson lipstick tune. Enjoy it. Check it out on Spotify. Uh, again, Ambush. Thank you. PinnacleLoans.com. Thank you. We're going to be back. We're going to have a little chat about that. Weirdness. The player that stands behind everybody else and is kind of whack. <laughs> all
2: right, we'll be back.
0: Hey, everyone. Buying a home, it's kind of a big deal. Never has there been more competition to buy, so few homes to choose from, all made worse by an uncertain interest rate landscape. Now that you're short a bedroom for the third kid, you're in the wrong school district, and a walkable corner pub isn't nearly close enough, it's time to reach out to the Pinnacle Loan Team for help. They work with a network of agents that have their feet on the ground across the whole region and have a number of loan products that are cost-effective with a process that is simple. Basically, they've got you covered from start to finish. So when it's time to buy, visit, ThePinnacleLoans.com. That's ThePinnacleLoans.com. Simply the best in home loans.
1: The term staycation was really invented by soccer moms. Located one hour and seven minutes from the arch, the Music Box Chalet at Innsbruck is a hidden gem. Buried in three acres of private woods, the Music Box has a master suite for just you. A loft and second bath for them, and a vinyl collection to meet your every mood. The full-size kitchen will easily accommodate 3 to 12 bottles of rosé, while the huge fire pit seating area will keep the big kids busy. Golf, fishing, kayaking, pickleball, or simply reading a book with Mother Nature, all at your fingertips. Visit either VRBO or Airbnb to find the Music Box Chalet. And now, back to those guys. Here we go.
0: You like well, that?
1: I mean, you know I like these guitar intros, man. It's, they, it's get, they set those home.
0: Well, I I kind of unofficially voted your pinnacle point of the day, the best of the three, so I gave you a guitar song.
1: Thanks. Thanks. You like that? Oh, shit, I should get a guitar song every time, man. Uh, <laughs> I disagree. Uh,
2: okay. i right. uh, bullshit. We'll go back to steel uh, for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh. <sighs>
0: Uh, a little life in the fast lane Coming back on Quickly into this thing You guys good? Everybody got a refill? Good, yeah yeah. Um,
2: That's a Don Henley That's not the Eagles, is it? Or is it Don, Is it, it is the Eagles. Eagles Is it the Eagles? Okay
1: yeah. I did that Yeah Well, I, he
2: did have a solo career And I don't remember when Besides Boys of Summer Name
0: one other I can't That's, That's why right. I thought Because the rest might... of them are all by the Eagles Okay Alright right? All right. <laughs> All right, our, our guest is on, on the screen here, live from Nashville, staring at us like, why did I agree to do this? So, without further ado, uh, ado we're going to bring him on. The SLSG alum, Biani alum, STL born and bred, keeper of the day, Connor Sparrow, man. How you doing, dude?
3: I'm doing well. How about yourself? Thanks for having me on.
0: Oh man, appreciate it. We're, uh, we're doing well. We're, uh, we had a little bit of a break, so you're kind of our first one back. Typically we do these every two, three days, but you know, that little thing called Thanksgiving got out of the way, screwed up our mojo. So we're, we're all ready, man. Excited to have this conversation. Um, so we we thought you were in Tampa, but you're not. You're up in Nashville. Uh, just give us a quick you know, lay of the land. Where are you at? What are you doing now in the uh, off season?
3: Um, yeah, really just staying in shape, uh, up in Nashville, my wife, um, she works at Vanderbilt university hospital up here. Um, so I spend my off seasons, uh, with her up up here in the great state of Tennessee, um, (laughs) a little colder than what I'm used to, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's nice being able to spend some time with her, especially after a long season.
0: So let's, um, what I'd like to do is just, you know, for the listener, usually like to lay a little bit of uh, groundwork here, a little lay of the land, so to speak, um, because your name is a very familiar name in, in the circles up here, um, you know, of, of all of us soccer aficionados. Um, give our listeners kind of an idea of a little bit of the background. Uh, where'd you grow up? Let's do the typical STL thing. Obviously, we got to talk about the high school, which I just kind of mentioned earlier. Uh, sure. Give us a little bit of a transition in those early years and uh, uh, where these roots were uh, planted.
3: Uh, yeah, so I grew up down down in Oakville um, off of Telegraph. I went to Queen of All Saints uh, grade school, played CYC for them, um, K through eight. Uh only city county championship was volleyball in fifth grade, I think. So that's something that wow, th- nice to have. my siblings always hold over my head still. Um, <laughs> I think I'm one of the only one of my only siblings to have not won a city county championship in soccer. Um, <laughs> but then uh, started playing club ball for uh, Bush initially in like third grade, I think. Played a season or two with them, and then uh, made the switch over to Scott Gallagher. Um, played with Scott Gallagher growing up was fortunate enough to play for their academy teams when I was, like, U16 U, to U18. Um, and, yeah, like, I, those were really the, the formative years, those academy years. Um, training with Tim Kelly I really kind of was my foundation. Um, that allowed me to, to play college ball at UMKC. That allowed me to then transfer to Creighton, um, have a good college career, and then ultimately get drafted to to Salt Lake in 2016, um, where I spent three years, um, two years with their USL cl- uh, club, the Real Monarchs, and then a year with the first team. Uh, from there, I went to Nashville in 2019 for a year, up to Chicago in 2020 for a year up there, down to Miami from 2021 to or yeah 2021 2022 season, and then was just with Tampa Bay Rowdies for the 2023 season
1: that that's that's phenomenal what, what what a path um our show um our listeners know we talk about pathway a ton um in your pathway specifically um you kind of touched on it there bush scott gallagher um can you can you talk about those early days in the club you know even from the the 14 to 16 um we as you know we've spoke about it off mic we have mutual friends um you um, were kind of a late bloomer in puberty. And can, can you kind of go over what your pathway was and, and, and talk about how important that was for your uh, development?
3: Yeah. So I was really, a really undersized goalkeeper for most of, I mean, still am I, by some people's standards. Um, but yeah, I, w- I was very small growing up. I think freshman year, I wrestled like in the 103 pound weight division. Um, just to give you an idea, so I was I was tiny. I was about five feet tall, um, hundred pounds soaking wet freshman year of high school, um, and so you can imagine even before that I was I was tiny. Um, but one thing, Tim, all like in just training, you know, I would get down on myself, things like that. Like it was it was obvious. I, my friends would mess with me and chip me all the time. Uh, so so there were some times that it was frustrating being a short goalie. Um, but Tim Tim Kelly was always always there pushing me in in the right areas kind of telling me and just like you got to realize like this is what you're having to deal with like it is what it is you're a shorter goal you got to hope you're going to grow um but in the meantime like you have to work on all of the aspects of of being a goalkeeper that don't really require height um there's a lot of you know like technical technical aspects of, of the game uh so so from a young age I really Honed in on the technical aspects of goalkeeping, how to dive properly, uh, how to throw, working really, really hard on my footwork, uh, my agility, things like that. And then uh, really just like making myself as comfortable as possible with the ball at my feet. Um, Tim, he would always say like if you're not going to be, you know, the biggest goalkeeper, like you really have to work on your positioning as well. Um, how high or or close you are to your line really Really matters, um, especially if you're a shorter goalkeeper, um, and just really taught me how to, you know, pick those moments when to use my feet to get across the goal or to to just step and dive. Um, and I think a lot of those, you know, learning those lessons from a young age and really having to to master them at a young age to to stay competitive. Um, when I finally did grow, I think it really really served me well, and and you know really really helped me kind of kind of take off and well and really you know become a regular at Creighton. and then well Connor let, let's go
0: let's go back a little bit though because the couple of things that you've mentioned I think tie into this fundamentally because TK off the mic in other conversations he's talked about the value of uh, multi-sport athletes etc you you've you've mentioned in the short time we've already been on the mic uh, a volleyball uh, title now you've talked about wrestling I, I'm going to assume there were probably other sports. Um, we'll talk a little bit about in your world, because also I think there's another aspect of this. How many siblings do you have exactly? <laughs> like thir- 32 or what's what's the actual number? No,
3: no, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I have three brothers and four sisters. Uh, so there's eight of us total in my household growing yeah, up. So, wow, so, so, so I have yeah, to assume there weird. was
0: sports oozing out of virtually every corner of the house. Talk a little bit about the multi-sport athlete aspect of your path and how important the other sports were. And potentially, in hindsight, how valuable was it for you as a keeper, as a soccer player, to play these other sports?
3: Uh, I, I think it was really valuable just from a young age, just developing that, neuromuscular connection um just being around sport and just just having so many people in the house and obviously with multiple siblings comes multiple friends of those siblings so just there were just bodies in and out um and we were fortunate like we had a, a pretty big backyard so everyone was always coming over to you know play hot box in the backyard Oh, I love hot uh, box. we had a soccer net so like throwing baseballs around basketballs soccer volleyball we, we did it all um and I, I just think that from, from a young age, just being constantly active, getting outside, running around, um, it just really develops the, that neuromuscular connection that you need um, to be a high-level athlete, So, uh, especially playing those those upper extremity sports, uh, basketball, you know what I mean? Just, uh, just a lot of that really, ba- I mean, basketball in particular, like really ties into goalkeeping so well just feet. from a forward. Perspective, perspective yeah, and yeah. yeah, exactly the hand-eye coordination.
2: Good. Um, Go so, Connor, we've had a couple goalies on this show. Mm-hmm. Some that have played in World Cups, some that have played MLS, some that have played a variety of of different levels. And I don't think I've ever asked this question, but why did you decide to become a goalie if you were <laughs> if you were kind of outsized, so to speak, until really? Sophomore year of high school, maybe even beyond. Did you love the game that much, but you also loved just the the sheer kind of challenge of being a goal? Like, how what
3: what motivated you to keep going in the goalie position? Um, I I I don't know. I really liked being. I I, I like the fact that there was only one goalkeeper per team on the field at, at a time. Um, but then, I, then apart from that, like growing up my dad was a big Bayern munich fan so we watched Bayern munich a lot growing up and oliver. my favorite player was oliver Kahn. Yeah. so yep um I, I just loved like just how he took charge of of his box how he didn't really take any crap from anyone um you know and he was just like he he really lived up to his to his name titan you know he, he yep. the guy was a titan and like he just didn't want to mess with him and, and any time i watched him play um it was just it was inspiring to me uh and and that's kind of how. That that's that's the mentality that I kind of took into into soccer from a young age, and um, I think that really kind of helped because obviously it's challenging being a an undersized goalie. Uh, you know, like you said, like there's challenges. It's 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 definitely difficult, or more difficult than than if you're blessed with a with a larger frame. Um, but I, I kind of took that mentality into it as as like a challenge. You know, like I'm I'm going to get good at this. I'm going to. I'm going to be like this guy because I idolize him and and I, you know, I respect his approach to the game and, and, you know, I, I want to be like him if I can, if I can get my, and obviously I didn't think about this when I was, you know, super young, but like, <laughs> if I can have the same mentality as him, no matter like how, no matter my physical capabilities, I can, I can have a go at it. That's great. Uh,
1: how um, – you, you, you kind of touched on it with TK, and I think that you being one of them topping the list with some other um, peers of yours that are in the league and in the ranks right now, um, TK training you guys, and Oliver Kahn wasn't really this goalie. I mean, he kept the biscuit out of the basket, certainly. I think maybe the new Bayern Munich goalie is more more of this, this role. Um, at a time when goalies were expected to play with their feet – um, and, and distribute the ball um, at every level. Um, I felt that TK was kind of cutting edge that he diagnosed that and, and with his groups and, and you specifically at an early age, I feel like you guys were really training with your feet. How important was that for you and your development and in, in, in your success? And then also how important it is to be a goalie now in the youth ranks, because if you can't play with your feet, you ain't going
3: anywhere. I don't believe. Right, um, and that that's been the main change, I, I guess, from then and now would be that when I was when we were training how to be good with our feet, Tim kind of saw it as like, I guess. He he saw it as a way to to get us out there to get some attention towards us where if like I can make these goalkeepers who have great feet, like it's going to get them attention and it's going to help further their career. Um, so it was more, I guess, what would you call it? Uh, I guess more of a a little,
0: a little strategic foresight.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Truly. Um, and now, now, so it's, it's, it's a prerequisite, you know, um, you really have to have good feet to to be able to play goalkeeper it's it's very you know the requirements are very similar to to field player requirements um but
0: well let me let me ask you this because Jared alluded to it and you know and we've mentioned TK a number of times here who's now currently the uh goalie coach for City 2 here in St. Louis with you know the our new MLS franchise as as you well know yeah. um <clears throat> How does it make you feel when you look at, you you go back 10, 15 years or so, and you start to take a snapshot of your youth clubs, your peers, you know, a few few years up, a few years behind you, and you look at the role that the goalkeeping and the training that was provided you with TK kind of leading, you know, the charge. How cool is it when you look at the number of pros not just good goalkeepers that oh my god this guy was really good but there's names everywhere that were kind of part of your own club i mean because the goalkeepers are always their own fraternity amongst themselves how cool is it for you when you look around and you see kind of that st louis tie to so many other keepers that are killing it at the highest level
3: uh it's a it's a source of of pride obviously um You know just it's going from 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 a young age tim really created like a very good brotherhood with everyone who who trained with him um he was really great at making sure young guys were training with older guys um really allowing younger guys to see like what is required to play at the higher level um i remember coming back after freshman year of college and just in that off season training with all the other college goalkeepers that that came back and louis softner mark pace tomas gomez um i was training with guys who were going to the mls and guys who had you know just competed in the college cup uh two of the goalies that were competing in the the college cup final um so just being around them and, and training with them and you know it's just so motivating to know that like these guys have been where i want to be I'm, I'm working on the same field as them you know if if they're doing it like i'm the like why why would it be any different for me you know obviously like they've worked incredibly hard they've they've earned it why if i put the same amount of effort into it why why can't i earn it you know um so just being around all those guys and just seeing that these things were tangible was just super super important Um, and I think now with, with the pro team being in town, with an MLS team being in town, well, I mean, that's gotta be so, so powerful for the youth. Um, nowadays, you know, it's, it's it's pretty cool. And I I really hope that, that all those players really understand that the opportunity that that could be in front of them.
1: You know, that's a good segue. You had mentioned the pro team in town, um, and you coming up in Scott Gallagher, who, who has an academy and, and whatnot, um, Timeline here. You might need to correct me, but I think if I'm looking at the math right in the years, you were kind of in that last window where you were allowed to play high school and weren't forced to play academy. So if, if my memory serves me right, you played for Viani your senior year and didn't even have to make the decision, but you had peers and friends that the next year did. Um, can you talk about that little high school club? um argument or relationship because you're close to the game i'm just interested to see your take on it and i know you won't you would never change your path um what is your take on that specifically
3: um i think there's positives and negatives to both i think starting with the the club side of things you're playing with the best players in your area you're playing with the the best talent at your at your level um the the best of the best really so, iron sharpens iron is the old saying. You want to play with the better players. It's going to make you better. It's going to challenge you more. It's going to force you to grow. Um, the talent in high school is more diluted. It's it's spread out across a larger pool of teams. I guess you could say. Um, so there's that. You have to account for that. There's going to be teams where there's going to be games where you might not be as challenged on an individual level in your games. You might, you know, you could be playing for a team that's just beating the brakes off of other teams. You're making state finals pretty handily. And, you know, you're you're racking up titles and, and accolades and things like that, which is great. Um, but again, like that level might not be as challenging for you. So it could, you know, not saying you won't grow, but you might not be able to grow as much. Um, however, one thing that high school does still have going for it is just The emotion attached to each game, Um, playing in front of, on average, you're playing in front of more fans than you would be at a club game, Um,
0: or some college
3: games. (laughs) Yeah, some college games, yeah, professional games. I would even add. Um, Excuse me, Um, but I think there is something to be said about playing meaning meaningful games um, in front of you know, in front of large amounts of people. I think that is more accessible with high school because all of your all of your mates go out to games, you know, all of the the girls that you're trying to impress go out to the games. All of that has emotional significance to a player. Um, The significance that's attached to it is obviously up to that player, but like playing in front of people. It's it's very, very challenging to human psychology to play in front of people and to know that you're being judged by those people um just from a from a professional perspective like that's one thing that you're going to have to get over if you want to play professional if you're going to step out in front of you know 10 15 20,000 people like you're going to have to be okay with people being mad at you you're going to have to be okay with people thinking you suck um these are all important skills to learn and i think playing at a high school level even though it might not be the highest sporting level um there's a whole lot of other lessons that can be learned with it and there's a whole lot of other I guess, sports psychology challenges within
0: that. And, and the girls. So you and yeah. Were, again, again, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like,
2: Go ahead, Zach. I saw you.
3: Uh, no, no I, well. I just,
2: you know, TK, we've known for quite some time, and, and he's one of the most boring people you'd ever talk to. <laughs> Doesn't have a lot of stories or, <laughs> you're right. uh, you know, just kind of vanilla. Um, right. Actually, that's not true at all. So my question for you, Connor, is he was emphatic About us talking to you. Why do you think he wanted us to talk to you so much? Over all the people he's coached over the years, decades now that he's worked with, why Connor
3: Sparrow? Um, I don't know. I'm I'm not entirely sure. I know (laughs) we got a great relationship, but. Uh, for some reason, he thinks I'm funny. I don't. Know, I don't really know why. So you got um, the
0: dirt. I mean, that's what it that's is. That's what it is. Yeah, that's, that's what, what I'm, I'm trying,
3: trying to. Today. There's some
0: leverage going here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Connor, yeah. let, let, let me let me ask you this because I've been sitting here listening to you, and it seems as if y- your responses are very cerebral. Um, and we were joking before the break. Most of the goalies that we've known. Um, tend to be a little bit whack. Cuckoo for Cocoa. Cuckoo, Post. yeah, we're in a little cray-cray. <laughs> um, but you seem very aware of not only your path, but your answers. Um, can, can you talk a little bit about, um, because the, par- the parallel in sports is baseball, right? When you look at Major League Baseball, I, I think for the last 30 or 40 years, over seventy percent of all head coaches used to be catchers, right? Right, up to this day, or I think that stat is about the same. I don't know if it's seventy, but yeah, it's got to be up there. It's high as a goalie um, because it takes a little bit of cray cray again to be in that position when shit hits the fan. Um, but again, I'm I'm feeding off of your 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 the train of thought, your answers. Um, how important is the mental side to the sport? And, 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 and if you would answer this as if you're speaking to a bunch of 13 and 14 year old wannabe goalies, because that's who will be listening to this. How critical is it to keep your headspace right, to do what you do and to continue to move through the sport that you love?
3: Um, I would, I think just, one of the main things that I've really <clears throat> struggled, I guess, struggled to learn at the beginning of my professional career that, uh, that I'm really, that I've really gotten good at, and I'm not, I'm not perfect at it now, by any means, but just learning that you're going to make mistakes, you're, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna falter, and that's gonna be one of the actual, truly consistent things of your of your career, um, are gonna be mistakes, They're they're never gonna go anywhere. Um, they might if you're lucky they might become less frequent Um,
1: yeah but speak on speak on this mistakes at a goalie mistakes for a goalie are a lot different than mistakes for a nine or a 10 because mistakes for a goalie it's you no good sob we're losing now one nothing was there a little bit of that to figure out
3: yeah yeah for sure Um, but I, I think just for me it's if I'm able to to just I guess get that out in my head and, and understand that that mistakes are right around the corner. They, they mistakes can always be right around the corner. Um, and just knowing that that like you're never gonna be a hundred percent, because I was a, a massive perfectionist early on in my career. And that is what would actually wind me up is trying to be trying to save everything, trying to make, you know, every save I can make. Um, and Even every save I there's no chance I was gonna make um, But I, I wasn't able to see that I wanted to save everything. I wanted to have a 100% record um, and That's only gonna set you up for failure. That's you know, there's just players are just too good forwards are too good mm-hmm. um, But as a goalie if you're able to to accept that you're gonna make mistakes it, it really takes the pressure off um, and and you know, it's, it's one of those things where you kind of have to be a little absurd about it. We're like, yeah, I'm going to make a mistake, but like, you know, if I make a mistake, like you're going to know I'm, I make a mistake. Well, it's bad.
0: What about what, so I, I'm going to take this uh, just one step further off the pitch, off the training ground, out of the gym. What do you do to work on or prepare mentally to maintain the level that you do? Are are you a, are you a yoga guy? Are you a meditation guy? Are you a Netflix by yourself and close the blinds guy? How do you, how do you work on mental preparation outside of the physical?
3: Um, I think just a big thing with me was just setting boundaries with myself, like not taking training home with me and, and dwelling on it. Um, you know, if you have a bad training session, it's, it's easy to get caught up in it. It's easy to watch the video back over and over and over um, and try to diagnose what went wrong. Um, but I think like just having, you know, setting, setting rules and setting limits for yourself on when you want to go into that, uh, will really help you kind of stay, stay level headed. Um, it, it's, it's a really fine line that you walk being a professional athlete. Um, and just doing the same things over and over and over at a high level every day. Um, You know, it's, you do the same thing over and over so you can very easily start cycling either up really well or down really bad. Um, And one thing that I do is just always, always set, set limits with myself. If I'm going to go watch a video, it's all right. I'm going to watch these two videos and then it's done. Um, Or I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go reassess, reassess training uh, for, for 30 minutes, I'll go watch the video, but then after that, that that's it for the day. Um, and then apart from that, like, I guess throughout the week, I'll just, a lot of my mental preparation, like preparing for games is, is visualization. Um, I'll just get in a quiet place. I'll sit down. It's usually like before bed. Um, I'll lay down in bed, close my eyes, just like take some deep breaths and then just imagine myself playing the game, playing, playing the game that's forthcoming at the weekend. Um, and everything that goes into that is, is I literally just try to imagine myself in the moment of, of the game. So I imagine the stadium that I'll be playing, and I imagine the weather that's most likely going to happen, um, the shoes I'm going to be wearing, the gloves I'm wearing. And and then I imagine myself just doing every action that I could see myself doing in a game. Um,
1: Let me ask and- you this. Uh, have a little fun here. Um, in one of those late teen academy events uh you you had a coach tim leonard he's good friends of ours he also coached our kids who are 15 year olds playing and he had told me a story that um you guys were short on players and they had to play you at the nine um and so you played some nine in this event how fun was that and by all accounts, Tim said you were pretty fucking good at the nine. So, um, how, were you close to doing the switch there? Or you like, nah, I'm a goalie.
3: Um, uh, <laughs> I think, so yeah, I remember that. That was like the, the senior year, like showcase playoff, academy playoff. We didn't make the, the showcase or the, the playoff. So we played in the showcase and a lot of guys who were already committed to school were like, I'm out. I don't want to spend the money on the hotel. You know, I got to save up for, for the, for the year coming up. Um, and so I like we, we went down with I think like 12 or 13 players or something <laughs> like that um, picked up a couple injuries like throughout so like then the, the last game I, I had to start up top and yeah I think I got an assist for one of our goals, but then uh, we lost I think four to one is what it was. Um, but it's funny my my college coach who I was going to play for that the following year he was he came he was like yeah, I'm gonna come out and watch your game.'m uh, excited to, <laughs> excited to see you play. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wonder what was going through his head when he sees me. <laughs> yeah, on. I'm
1: playing the nine. <laughs>
3: the this kid's off. gonna be my goalie.
0: <laughs> Is was this your UMKC coach?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was Rick Ben Ben at the time. Yeah, uh, yeah. And like I just I walked over to him after the game, and he was like, "Well, this was uh, this was a surprise, like <laughs> you know, but <laughs> but you he held your own." So that's <laughs> so that was, that that's was, funny. Fun.
0: So uh, I I would be remiss not to ask UMKC. You you grew up in St. Louis. You were a Griffin. You played for Bush. You played for Gallagher. I think there are approximately one hundred and forty-seven other schools. Might be two. Or not more. in Kansas City. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, talk a little bit about the process because um, <laughs> Kansas soccer uh, it, it's it, it has a special place on our show, and I gotta ask why but I do understand and we'll get immediately to you're only there for a year, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, good. Uh, we'll skip to so, that in a second, but UMKC, what, what, yes. what was that recruiting process like? And, y- you know, talk about pulling the trigger.
3: Um, so yeah, that, that was an interesting little, little phase of my, I guess, high school career. Um, initially I was committed to go to university of Wisconsin, Milwaukee um, the head coach that had recruited me that I had, I guess, committed to play for, um, was, I guess, let go in about like April of my senior year. Damn. Um, and so I made the, like, they got a new coach in, um, I had spoken with him, um, and, and n- nothing against him, but I just didn't want to play for a guy that didn't recruit me. That didn't, you know, sense. Didn't actively know who I was as a player. Um, makes I felt like I was just, you know, myself too much downside risk. Uh, so I decommitted from them in like late April. In and comes Rick Benben,
1: the nicest, sweetest, accomplished guy in the world. I mean, that guy is an ace.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um and God bless him, like I because I had emailed them like I guess a year before, just because of you know, sending emails out to all the schools around. Um, got an email back from him, you know, that that prior that year before, and he said, like, you know, like our goalkeeper spots are kind of we're kind of filled like we like who we have now. Um, so I appreciate your interest, but it's a no from us. Um, you know, but that's how the game goes. Um, there's only a certain amount of, you know, slots on a roster. Um, but thankfully something had changed and he had found out that that I was available and, you know, immediately emailed me said he'd seen me play as of late and said that, you know, he really liked who I developed into as a goalkeeper. Um, and was really like, it, like looking to do what he could to make it happen to to get me to be a kangaroo, um, and like it was like I said it was it was May like late April May of my senior year, mm-hmm. um, so things had to move relatively quick, um, and and God bless him you know like he came he drove from Kansas City to to St Louis one evening just to meet with me for about thirty minutes to meet my family. Um,
0: he probably my- he probably came in for the barbecue.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the emos, I'm not sure. Or <laughs> emos, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, and, and he gave me a great opportunity. Um, You know, I was linking up with a couple other St. Louis guys at, in, at UMKC, Kevin Corby, Steve Keller, to name a few. Um,
1: well, fuck, he played 15 so, games that year. I mean, that's, the, yeah, that's yeah. a full so, year. Yeah, so
3: Corby kind of duked it out. Um, You know, we had a great competition. Again, that's another St. Louis goalie. Going back, like, we had been training since – you know, since we were in high school together, um, maybe even before that, but, um, yeah, like was able to play 15 games. Um, and then, uh, just, I don't know. I was, I was looking for more. I, I wanted to, to keep progressing and I wanted to, you know, go on and, and, and try to do what, what Tomas Gomez, what Louis Softner, what Mark pace were doing. Um, and luckily, you know, an opportunity at Creighton presented itself, and was able to, to make that move, and spent three years there. And
1: was yeah. Warming the coach at Creighton at that point, or was who was there? Uh, was it Torres?
3: So Elmar Bolovich was there. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so he my head coach. Two. Downey was the assistant. Okay. Um, I think it was yeah. Bob Warming had left a couple of years before. Okay. Got, yeah.
1: Wow! Wow! And uh, so, what what a program to run into! They have that brand new stadium downtown with the video board and and Creighton's a real storied program and they moved recently before that to the big East and you joined the big East and, and, um, the story's written. Um, you have a lot of success in the big East. Uh, you end up becoming the big East player of the year, goalkeeper of the year. Uh, congratulations on that time at Creighton. Um, what did that time at Creighton mean to you?
3: Um, that it, it was, I mean, it was really, really a lot. Like I met my wife there. Um, I got to so say, let me get that out there before, you know, Different before I forget, Well done. Before I forget college, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it, 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 those, those years were great. I, I met a lot of, we had a lot of very high level players at Creighton. Um, and, you know, going, going into a program that had just a year prior made it to the college cup. Um, everyone was hungry. Everyone was hungry to get back there and, and joining that. Um, that environment, like joining a team with, with that, with those aspirations and that, that mentality to get there um, really kicked me into high gear. And I, you know, I really, I had felt like that Oliver Kahn personality inside me had really found a home at Creighton, um, especially with all the Germans there too, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, well, uh, let me, let me,
0: let me ask you this, Connor. Uh, again, I'm kind of like, I'm really intrigued by uh, your answers and so much that you have very, very focused, very kind of clear storylines that are following, you know, this path that we're taking you down. And I'm really curious because of your transition through high school, you know, being a little bit smaller and having to train, knowing that, you know, player profile. We hear that word all the time in today's world you didn't fit the player profile for kind of that next level goalie. Then you kind of grew into it. You battled your way in. you go to UMKC, you move over to Creighton, you know, the Big East, become the player of the year there. Um, mentally, you know, and you also have talked about your peers for a while. At what point did you know that your goal, that you're potentially, I'm going to assume it was your dream, was to play professionally and how did you approach that expectation within yourself not only on the field but how did you manage that you know going through the latter part of your college career in anticipation of potentially getting drafted
3: um yeah so i mean obviously like when i went to to college i had known that i wanted to play pro or at least you know have a put myself or be in a a position after college to be able to go pro Um, and so I kind of took that, uh, what, what, how I kind of approached that was the first thing I, I spoke with my parents about when we were kind of formulating this was like, I need a backup plan in case things go awry. I need an exit hatch. Um, and so I went and got my nursing degree. So that was what I kind of decided to study is I wanted to have something immediately out of college that I could fall back on and, you know, have a good, like make, make a decent living for myself. Um, so I studied nursing alongside that just to kind of give me that, that parachute to really go for it. Um, And yeah, like it really started getting serious after that my junior season um, at Creighton, when I played, I think I started every, almost every game. Um, And, you know, like I, I was, you know, up in the top, top names of shutouts, goals against average, things like that. Um, And just seeing that like was just, you know, validating to me that like, okay, like I'm, I'm a top level college goalie, like top level college goalies get it, get a shot to play pro. If you keep, keep this up for next year, like you will get a chance to play pro these names, the names that were always usually in the top of goals against average shutout number of shutouts in college. You were seeing those names in the combine in the draft Yeah, national Um, team caps. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Right. So, so, you know, you you find some statistics that you kind of try to hammer home, um, just for the recognition to get your name out there. Um, but, you know, come going into that senior year, one thing that I really realized was, like, the only thing that's going to get you to play pro is is minutes on the field this year. So you have to lock that down first and foremost. You can't start thinking about things that are hypothetical. You have to worry about, the you know, the present, the things that are right in front of you. Um, and so, I, you know, I really try to just take that in and, and really – cement my starting spot that senior year um but more than that like i think like being in that senior class um at creighton and having that that year before that i had it really allowed me to kind of step into more of a leadership role Mm -hmm. uh, that senior year and and i think that was really you know being in that leadership role that senior leadership role gives you more access to your coaches obviously Um, more trust yeah more trust in your coaches absolutely you know more time spent with them and when you're spending more time with guys like johnny torres elmar bolovich justin hughes who's our goalie coach um these are all very very high level individuals in the soccer world
1: high level pros yeah Yeah, absolutely
3: um and so the more time you get to spend with them like there's so much value that you can gain from that yeah without
1: question yeah without question
3: yeah so i really benefited from that um and, and those guys that really just kind of kept my head on straight the entire year, they would, you know, pull me aside when they saw my level dropping and say, Hey, like, let's, let's pick it back up. You know, like we, we need you to focus back up here. Um, and, and yeah, they really kind of guided me into, you know, that, that successful senior year.
1: You know, what's interesting to me about goal goalkeepers in general or goalkeeper rooms or goalkeeper uh, groups and I and I think you referenced it, referenced it with TK early on. Is that um, in our high level, you know, academy or even high level high school or you know, and then you go into college? Is the best goalkeeper rooms and, and I can tell by just listening to you and and watching you. Is can you speak on? Um, there's a level of competitiveness between goalkeepers. Well, only one goalkeeper plays. So how do you, um, with all these stops that you had at UMKC, Creighton, and all these different pro uh, arenas that you've been in, um, there's also capable goaltenders in those groups. Can you talk about that dynamic a little bit, about how you guys are so close-knit? Because pretty sure in certain aspects, the starting nine he's not really rooting for the other nine that's not starting. And, and there's a little bit of aspect on the goalkeeper side of things of, holy shit, why are these guys so close and why are they rooting for each other at all times?
3: Um, I just think a lot of it is just, you know, goalkeepers have, we, we share a lot of similar feelings and experiences about the game. You know, we've all had embarrassing moments where we've lost a game um, and we really know how that feels and i think it's just there's just a lot of empathy with within the goalkeeping community um one of my friends has always always said that like goalkeepers are you guys are the martyrs of the sport um which is pretty true like you know goalkeepers are usually making headlines for the wrong reasons um and i think just having you know i think it's just a natural thing that goalkeepers I guess become close friends because we, we we see the experiences that we're going through and and we have been through something similar. So we know that how hard it can be. And I think I think it, a person would be very cruel to to then be negative towards someone that you're working with every day and to not be on their side, especially when, you know, there's so many there's so much downside risk being a goalie. Um
0: well, let me ask you this. I want to get into maybe a little bit more specific to experience you, because you, you've had a path, you've you've moved around a little bit, you're now currently down in Tampa, but at all these other stops, you, you've got you've got your minutes, you've got your starts. Uh, let's have a little fun because as a goalie, you always know, obviously every player knows who they're playing against and who are the ones to watch, right, quote, watch. Who's the one that, in your career uh post college, that when you were lining up, you were like, "Shit, here comes that dude. I know he's coming. I can't let him score. Do you have a moment or a player that was like you you kind of chalked it or maybe you, you know you, it was on your notebook like I can't wait to do this with that guy,
1: um."
3: not necessarily but like not necessarily like want to I don't know not I guess not really like that but um one thing I was really always looking forward to um was just playing St. Louis guys throughout my professional career and just like you know competing lighting up against people awesome um that just was always a special occasion like I would you always know who who's from St. Louis on the league you're playing in um and I would always circle those games just because like. First of all, you'd get a you get a run into an old friend. Um, usually link up with him after the game and, and catch up. But second of all, like you just knew it was gonna be a good game.
0: How um, much well, how much pride did you take in not allowing a cadet or a Billiken or a Spartan score against you as a griffin?
3: Uh no, yeah, I t- took a lot of pride in that. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, even like yeah, like anytime like I, I would play Mark Segbers, like same thing. Like Mark's one of my one of my best friends. Um, went to high school with him another great pro in the St. Louis area. But anytime we'd play against each other, it was, you know, like I'll, I'll, we'll talk after the game. Like we're walking by, you know. I and, hate you right now. Like, yeah, <laughs> truly. Like, that's that's just how it is. But that's just, I mean, growing up in St. Louis, like that's just how it, I don't know, That's that was just the, the mentality surrounding soccer in particular. Um, at a young age, it was just, everyone was just so competitive, especially in the club scene.
1: All right. And to continue this fun that we're having, I heard Salt Lake, You lived in St. Louis. You were in Miami, Tampa, Chicago. Mm -hmm. You've been in some pretty dynamite food areas in our country. (laughs) Where is the best food at that you've had, and what do you always come back to?
3: Um I mean, I always come back to St. Louis style pizza whenever I come yeah, back home. Let's go. Like but, but, but 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 hold on though.
0: That's a loaded. That's, that's a, loaded.
3: a professional, That's a very professional answer.
0: Where where are you getting it from though? You come home, oh. you're craving the thin crust. And why is the answer not Emos?
3: Can I plead the fifth on that? Uh, <laughs> no, uh, it's it's usually a flip flop between Emos and then St. Louis pizza and wings. Because oh, that's uh, South uh, County. That's South County. That's South County. Like on Telegraph. All right, so. so
1: Salt Lake, Chicago, Miami. Let's take St. Louis out of it. Salt Lake seafoods out of this world. I hope you're a seafood guy. If you're not, seafood. then of course seafood in Salt Lake. Oh, they're good fish, good everything up there. Everything's up there. Salt
0: too. It's a, it's they, a it's a fake lake. There's no lake.
1: I know that, but there's <laughs> there, it's close by. So just give me your best dining spot where you've been, where you've lived.
3: Um. Man, this is a tough
0: one. Well, you're down. You're in Nashville right now. You get breakfast around the corner at the Row.
3: No, I haven't been there. The Row.
0: Oh man, yeah, it's right, uh, right across from Dolly's Hotel, right there off of Broadway.
3: Okay, sweet. Oh, Cannery Row? Is that it? No, it's it's
0: called the Row, but it's it's like a breakfast. They do open mic, but it's a breakfast joint right over by Vandy. I'll
3: have to check it out. Yeah, Um, but I don't know. (laughs) One place off the top of my head was uh, just in Miami, just the Cuban food was pretty uh, out of the world for me. Just, it was a very, it was a very welcome change of pace just from just all the American food that I've been eating, you know? Um, yeah, yep. so it was a little different and it was enjoyable. And there was this restaurant called Versailles down in Miami. And it was like one of the original Cuban restaurants in the city. And it was just, yeah, it was great.
0: But let, let me ask, let me ask you a follow up Cause I want to lean into this whole, uh, STL Homer side of the conversation here. Now, now with City, uh, St. Louis having a team, the success that they had year one, you know, and you mentioned what you know one of the things you circle on the calendar anytime you knew that there were STL opponents coming into town wherever you might be. Um, paint a picture. How cool is it for you to be a South County kid? Came up through the clubs. You did the high school thing. You've now moved on through college, you know, excelled at a you know extremely high level there. You've been playing pro, bouncing around, and you see kind of this next phase, this next chapter of what is St. Louis soccer. What does it mean to you to see what's going on, you know, in your hometown uh, in real time?
3: You know, you know, it's it's super exciting that. I mean, it's just very cool seeing the city's reaction to the team, um, and then kind of taking that and then realizing that this is the first year of the club's existence, um, you know, the first, the first, whole MLS season that the club has played, um, just really makes me excited for the future and just seeing what's gonna, you know, what's this gonna look like ten years down the line, twenty years down the line, um, what's it gonna look like when when I'm fortunate enough to have kids, like what you know, what is what are the pathways gonna be for them? Um, and that that's truly what's exciting to me. It's, you know, it's it's something to be proud of because I, I was a part of that that generation of St. Louis soccer that we had the USL team, you know, um, with St. Louis Football Club. Um, but now, like we're on the on the main stage, we're on the big stage, and I think being a part of that, I guess that that for that period of, of forging this, you know, getting this community building that that grassroots. Era of of the St. Louis soccer community, and obviously the, I, I've only been around for such a tiny part of it. Um, but just being a part of that, those formulaic years, like of what it is now at at the MLS level, um, it, it's pretty cool. You know, I'm gonna be able to tell tell people when I'm older, like, yeah, like this is how it was. Like all of these guys were such great players. All um, wanted to do such great things, and you know. This this is our you know and now now we finally have something to look forward to to look towards and say like this is our club like this is nice you know something mm-hmm. that that we can look towards to that we that we built um, whether we know it or not um,
1: no we did and, and you were a big pretty, part of it
3: and you you brought up a term I don't
2: know if you use the word specifically but it sounds like you're going down this legacy path of you're a part of the St Louis legacy that is a very very historical juggernaut of soccer players coaches etc you're coming up on your are you almost 30
3: yeah yeah i'll be 30 in may
2: so at some point you're not going to be able to put the gloves on and you're gonna have to do something else have you thought about what's next and i'm not saying the next year because i think you have a long career ahead of you but are you coaching are you going into real estate (laughs) or are you going, you could be a professor of English. It sounds like his degree. That's what i was going to say. So what for you, Connor, what's what, what do you think is next?
3: Um, I'm not entirely sure. I I definitely think coaching is in my future. Um, you know, I, I just think, I just think I have to, to take what I've learned in my career and, and pass it on to try to help, you know, other people, um, particularly people goalkeepers in the St. Louis area, people who are going through what I went through when I was a kid. Um, I, I think Freaking it's important to just to kind of, you know, when, when you're of age, you need to to kind of play that role that was provided to you by, you know, someone you looked up to. And in my in my case, it was Tim Kelly. Um, you know, I, I respected him as a person from a, from a very young age. And thankfully, like our, our relationship, you know, developed into a great one to where I still call him a really good friend today. Um I think I would be remiss to not do what he did for me to someone or you know, help someone else out in the that. way that, that's
1: you know. awesome. So that's why basically, St. Louis is fucking awesome. Well that's
2: why we had to find, you know, some people high up at BJC or Mercy or you know, wash you and and, and make sure there's a spot for your wife. Right? And him. Because
1: he can <laughs> yeah, use his yeah. degree when he's not coaching. Yeah. yeah. But but uh... yeah, I mean
3: going into that like I mean, nursing is probably a great a great avenue to, you know, to get my coaching career started just with the, the schedule that that allows the three days on you know three three 12 hour shifts a week I could coach the other four days um so do you have your degree
2: college. in nursing right now
3: yeah yeah so I um I graduated in 2017 with RN BSN or BSN and then took NCLEX um I'm doing some continuing education courses now for my license my but,
2: daughter is a freshman at Truman in the okay. nursing program and so that's exciting to hear that you're potentially going to be able to get you know to use that degree so does it does, does awesome. it
0: involve needles i think yeah, again, yeah. yeah. I, i'd, I'd be out
1: i'm out yeah. <laughs> do you ever, do, hey, i gotta ask you this just on a side note do you do, have you ever watched meet the parents <laughs> do you hate oh, that like, movie
3: um, I, mean, I would be called Walker in college, yeah. Not, you know? yeah, fuck yeah. you, Robert De Niro. Yeah, no, it's funny. Um uh, Johnny Torres would would heckle me all the time. Trust me, um, he would. Yeah, oh, I can yeah. I can hear it right now. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, it, it was too funny. Um but well, yeah, you know, I, I got I got my fair share of uh, you know a banter from it.
0: Well, dude, um we've taken enough of your time. This is, this has been a lot of fun. It's, it's so cool to be able to capture these conversations and take individuals like yourself and kind of paint a picture as to what it all, you know, where it came from and what it all means. And, you know, just, I I want to compliment you really Um, you're extremely well-spoken and it, it for, for individuals that are going to listen to this, it, they're going to learn. And I think that, you know, you closed out with saying that you were looking at wanting to coach potentially is kind of the next phase and do for others that Tim did to you. Uh, you're going to be a success. That's, that's mm-hmm. my, that's my guess. Um, I, I put, I put an even 20 on that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would, I would, I would uh, double your bet, and I want to thank you too. And here is what I hope you do next year at Tampa. And I hope you have a long career down there. I hope you go up there to Charleston and beat up on Mark and <coughs> excuse me, and AJ and all that St. Louis. Well, blood AJ gets retired. A- AJ Cochran
2: retired. AJ retired today. Oh, he did. Retired. Yeah.
1: Well, Mark will be there, and so will Devin, coaching, probably yelling at you uh, on yeah. the sideline. And, Brian and go, Jones. yeah, and Brian, go yeah, up there, and,
3: up there as well.
1: and go up there and beat their ass. And you guys are probably in the same conference, like same division. Are you not? Well,
0: well, here's the other thing too. When you're down in Tampa, do you ever like make
2: um, Jeremy buy? Because
1: he's right
3: there in your backyard. I saw Jeremy a couple of times, yeah, um, but he's got to stay. You know, he's got to stay
2: neutral. Yeah, he's he got to stay neutral. neutral. Yeah, yeah, Whatever. Yeah. You guys probably uh, go absolutely. in a dark alley, order your frozen
0: emos, and a case of Bud Heavy. You know,
1: he's got a place right. in. He's got a place in Tampa that he found that is all St. Louis. They have Cyberg's wing sauce. They have been there. You've been there. I, I stuffed it out as well. You did it. good oh, for yeah. you, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, next I time, next, next time you go there, Jeremy's buying.
3: Yeah. 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 I think it's called the pesky pelican. If anyone's in the St. Peter. Area. All right. There you go.
1: So I, I have to,
2: I have to say this because you started off talking about how some of the goalkeepers we meet are a little off. Yeah. I, I think i found something different about Connor. And it's you said the term when you were asking about why would you care about your fellow goalie? Yeah. He's a nurse. He has empathy. And yeah. that, that is something that most goalkeepers <laughs> that I know don't have I'm a lot of. I'm pretty
1: sure if you're one on one with him on a soccer field, he has no There's fucking reputation. No, 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 not on the field. <laughs> not on the field.
2: But he 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 makes up for that in the, the you know out off the pitch. Okay. And Touché. I just I, Touche. it just cause you're Touche. the way you th- like you said the cerebral part. Yeah. The way you think, I think and the reason I bring this up is not just to psychoanalyze our guest. But because I think the coaching part is natural. I think that's going to come out when you start meeting with young kids. Well said. They're going to feel that. They're going to sense that. And you're going to understand what they're going through. And I think that's an awesome, awesome thing to bring to the coaching side so I just wanted to to call that out before we yeah we broke
0: yeah Connor so basically if you ever need references feel free to call us right We'll, we'll, we'll no, yeah. <laughs> the, oh, yeah. yeah when yeah, they yeah. see the the soccer dad pod bullshit bumper stickers come across they'll be like oh hell yeah we, we want this guy hey it, this has been great dude we're gonna let you get back to your real life down there in Nash Vegas um, you, do you guys come up for the holidays by the way
3: yeah, I was just in town uh, for Thanksgiving. My okay. wife, she was on the night shifts last week, though, so she was stuck here. Okay, well,
0: next next time you come up, uh, pizza's on us. Yep. How's that? Sweet.
3: Yeah, yeah. Either that or let's go catch a game in Amsterdam.
0: Or oh, yeah, now he's go. speaking my language. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: That is that is my uh, boardroom, by the way. <laughs> so, <laughs> Hey, Connor, best of luck, man. Uh, we'll catch up. We'll definitely be in touch. Uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, you're welcome back anytime.
3: Absolutely, thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciated it. Um, Thanks, brother. All right, yeah, yeah, take I, yeah. care. Happy Merry Christmas. Take it easy. All right,
0: we'll let you go. Take care. Yeah.
2: Well, gentlemen, yet another in the can, so they say. Wrap it. That was good. That's a wrap. I um, I Print it. I, I said it a
0: few times on there, like. It's so cool to to talk to an individual that is doing the heavy lifting, who's kind of aware of the the, the the wish, the want, as well as the limitations, you know, and the dude's navigating it.
1: Oh, man, I tell you, to me, he's 29 going on 30. And I act like this. Do you, re- is, do you
0: remember those years?
1: Uh, yeah. And here's what I'll say. His maturity and his gumption and his um candor, I, phenomenal. Um, when I was 29, I don't know, and and I'm 40, almost 44. I, I mean, I'm a turd compared that, that dude's an ace, yeah. And he, I mean, he just comes off well. I see what I see what TK was doing there, yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he's a fine <laughs> young man, and
0: TK's gonna hire Connor as yeah. his. Press agent here in the. Yeah. future.
1: Tampa's lucky to have him and he's very, very good on the field. Well, Tampa's
2: had a couple of St. Louis goalies, I believe. I know Pickens was there for quite some time. Um, so I thought it was You know one. who
1: we need to talk about when we talk, when we bring him on? Because friends of the show, you know, Perry Vanderbeck is oh, he's coming in on. the Hall of Fame for the Tampa Bay Rowdies. He coached there for a little bit and. I bet you he knows a lot about this kid.
0: Surprise, surprise! He's on our guest list, guys. Woohoo! Coming up, uh, we're out of here. I want to thank the two of you for uh, incredible insight.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um ambush. Get your tickets. Go support them. It's a lot of fun. I have a feeling. I,
2: I, I think they're they're going to grow big this year. I can just I, yeah, get the vibe. Well, off they, of they even had they even had a supporter section. Yeah, and in a in a march. Yeah, the we're we're,
0: we're totally working on the uh, post game uh, supporter section versus podcast uh, mm. tournament. Yeah, we're putting together a team. Uh, Connor Sparrow, thank you for joining us. Chris and Bill and Pete, the Thank you for all the support. Um, and we're going to roll out here. I'm going to leave us with a little Linda Ronstadt because we went to her sh- the tribute show the other night at City Winery. Mm-hmm. You did? I did. Weird. Well, not weird. Josh Allen and Melissa invited us. Um, and we went. I guess my phone
2: was broke. <clears throat> was this Linda Ronstadt's single? Like, solo career, or was this when she was with the Eagles?
0: So, Linda Ronstadt was bigger than the Eagles before the Eagles were the Eagles, and Don Henley brought her <laughs> that song, that's why I'm playing it, they wanted to be her backing band. Oh. So, her early album, this particular album, her band was the Eagles.
1: Well, then what happened to her? What
0: do you mean? What?
1: Yeah, what? Why, why does she not go she, on to uh, bigger, better things?
0: She did.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> she did. Hey, thanks for listening. Give us a follow. Give us a review. Give it a share. That's the easy, cheap way to support us. Um, thank you, guys. We're on our way out. Here's a little Linda. Bye,
3: bye. <laughs>